Children's Church, you can go ahead and be dismissed at this time. I know, it's blatantly obvious. Pastor Jeremy is not here, right? Um, I am not Pastor Jeremy. Pastor Jeremy is on vacation. He has been uh, the last week. Um, this week, he and Allison, uh, I know he, he filled most of y'all in on this, but he and Allison are going to um, a uh, pastor's conference with this being Pastor Appreciation Month. Uh, he's, he, he found this conference out in Asheville and uh, dropping the kids off at the in-laws and then going to uh, this pastor's conference. So be praying for them this week, uh, especially, because uh, this is a, a good time for them to kind of uh, continue resting, recharging, to come back here and that, that final push to the end of the year. Uh, just be in prayer for them uh, and, and their relationship as a couple, right? Getting some time away. Uh, but then also him and his, his soul, uh, their souls and their heart for ministry. I know that they, they miss being here uh, with y'all. Um, I've been in contact with him some. Uh, I keep having to tell him, you're on vacation. It's okay, right? Uh, but he, he does, he, he's been staying up to date on what's going on and, and misses y'all. Uh, and I know they're, they're excited to, to get back here here next Sunday. Uh, but uh, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of First Peter. Um, Pastor Jeremy started this series uh, last week, um, not last week, two weeks ago, uh, when he was here, this series on First Peter. Uh, you know we normally go through a book of the Bible uh, and, and we finished up Hebrews. Uh, he's getting ready to jump into, Lord willing, a book in the Old Testament. We're not sure which book yet, or at least he hasn't told me. Um, but uh, we uh, are going through First Peter up at Wayne Christian, um, three series in a row. I was supposed to speak two weeks ago, I think, was when that was, and then there was a hurricane or something crazy like that, that they, they canceled school. So I didn't get to go speak. Uh, so pray for me. Uh, I will be speaking this uh, lesson, this sermon, uh, this message uh, this week, this Thursday in chapel at Wayne Christian. Uh, pray for Carly that she doesn't fall asleep hearing it twice, right? She got to fall asleep on Pastor Jeremy in church. She gets to fall asleep on me in uh, chapel. But anyway, uh, no, do, do be in prayer for that. That's um, it's an awesome opportunity there at the school. Uh, you know, our church supports the school. Uh, we've got kids that have gone through there at the school. I know we've got a couple teachers here, but that's a, I mean, it's a Christian school, but it's also a mission field, right? Those of you that have been in Christian school or had your kids in Christian school, you know what it's like. Um, it's an awesome uh, way for our kids to, to grow their faith, uh, but it can also be, you know, in some ways, it's, it's a mission field with the other kids there in that school. And uh, so be praying for those teachers all the time. Uh, and their, their little mission fields that they get to teach every day. Uh, and then for, for Jeremy and I, as we go up there and we speak in chapels uh, every once in a while. I know this year Jeremy's really spearheading that, the, the chapel schedule and the topics and the speakers and all that. So that's an extra thing on his plate on top of being a pastor uh, to us here. Uh, so be in prayer for him. But First Peter is where we are. Um, just kind of to, to review a little bit, okay? First Peter uh, was written by... Peter. Shocker, right? Was anyone surprised? I know you were, Carver. Okay, so 1 Peter was written by Peter, right? Um, Peter, the, the apostle, right? The disciple, uh, kind of the, the leader of, of the 12, right? Um, so he's, he's speaking, and this is later in the first century, right? The church is, is well-established, um, and persecution is starting to, to heat up, right? It's believed that Peter was 
in Rome when he wrote this, um, writing to the Jews that were scattered, right? As the persecution had really started to heat up, they were scattering all over the place, even more than they already were. Um, and, and so he's writing to them about, um, about our faith and the things that, that we, we have in Christ, right? So he's writing these things and, and this persecution under Nero, right? Jeremy kind of uh, detailed for us a little bit about how Nero, you know, he was, he was a little... Uh, psychopath there, okay, as the Roman emperor, uh, but he, he burnt down Rome so that he could rebuild it, and he blamed the Christians, right? And then there was the persecution that really heated up under Nero. Um, Christians had enjoyed a, a long period of religious freedom, right, uh, and, and relative, you know, peace. It had kind of ebbed and flowed, and then under Nero, it really heated up. Um, before we look at church history, eventually it, it subsided again, right? Um, but uh, this is the, that time where things are really heating up under Nero. Remember, he, Jeremy explained to us how Nero was the one right, right, that, that was killing Christians, crucifying Christians. Peter, we believe, from, from church history, uh, we know that, that Peter's wife was crucified, and then Peter himself was crucified. Uh, the church tradition is that it was upside down. Okay, that he was crucified because he didn't believe to be, that he was worthy to be killed in the same way that Jesus was killed. Um, whether there's truth to that or not, we don't know. But that's the, the church history, right? We, we do know that he was crucified. Um, and then Nero was the one that would take Christians and dip them in tar and hang them in his garden, light them on fire so that he could see his garden at night and walk through and enjoy the beauty of his garden right? Um, like I said, he's kind of a psychopath. But in that context, okay, I want us to look at today's passage here in 1 Peter, starting chapter 2, verse 12, the, the idea of, of Nero persecuting Christians, burning Christians alive to light his garden. And this is where we come to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. It says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. This was written to those Christians that were afraid for their life, that they would be burnt alive, in Nero's garden. Okay, so let's keep that context in mind. But kind of let's back up a little bit. And what Peter is doing is he is moving from what's true about us, right, our salvation, to how we should live. He's moving from what's true about us to how we should live. If you remember this from, from Pastor Jeremy's sermon, chapter 1, um, and, and he kind of went through specifically these points about our salvation. You can read through it, chapter 1, the first half of, of chapter 2, right? How we're born again to a living hope, right? That's where Peter starts, about our salvation. And then he moves on to how we should live. The, the, the outline that, 
um, Jeremy uh, gave us, and these are the three messages that, that we're going to have. Salvation that Jeremy preached um, two weeks ago. Today, submission is our topic. And then next week, Lord willing, Jeremy will cover that third point of suffering. But salvation, submission, suffering. And when you look at this, okay, right here, in context, okay, that's why we kind of backed up there to, to, verses, uh, to verse 12, is, is with this idea of submission, okay, everybody's favorite topic, right, submission. Um, Peter kind of gives us the why up front, right, like a good teacher, you know, you got to start off with why. You're in there in algebra class, and you have no idea why you have to learn to find X. You're like, it's right there on the paper, circle X, found it, right? Um, it was a math joke to all you math nerds out there. Uh, but we start off with why, okay? Uh, submission. Why should we submit? He starts there, verse 12. Let's read it again. It says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So why? Why do we submit? Why even cover this topic of submission? And it's right there, very clear, God's glory. We submit because we're trying to glorify God. Uh, at the end of the day, the whole reason we're here is to point people to Jesus. If you've been coming on our um, Wednesday night study, going through Multiply, great study, pick up the book, Look at it on Right Now Media, catch up. It's been a long study, but it's awesome, right? The whole point of the, the reason we're here is to point people to Jesus, right? Give God glory, right? Share the gospel. That's why we're here. That's why God didn't just immediately take us as soon as we got saved to heaven, right? We're here to point people to Jesus. He's, he's talking here to, to the, 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 the Christians um, around the Roman Empire, and he's telling them, you know, you need to keep your conduct honorable. Live your life in a way that brings God glory, right? So that when people point at you, they make fun of you, they do whatever, you're in persecution. The way we live our lives should, should lead to people glorifying God, right? You look at all of these stories, um, a, a great resource, humbling, sobering resource, uh, Voice of the Martyrs puts out, um, tons of information about Christians all over the world and the persecution they're going through. And you can read those and you can see the amazing testimony of these brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, and they're, they're living their lives, they're going through this persecution in such a way that brings glory to God. And so many of these persecutors have been won because of the way people died. Right? The way people submitted, the way they, they lived their lives. So that's what Peter's kind of starting off with that groundwork of our whole purpose in life is to bring glory to God, to point people to Jesus. So that's why we should live an honorable, right, to use biblical term, the honorable way in our community. Right? And to us, we, we, you know, we kind of have this idea of persecution, and I know Jeremy's going to get into it next week. Lord willing, with the suffering, right? But we, we really don't understand that in America. Um, but this topic of submission, we, we do uh, and, and we should understand um, really well. And we should live that out. The way we're living our lives, we're pointing people to Jesus. So that's the why. So let's get into the how. 
Okay? And there's, there's really three different points okay, of how we submit and how we should submit in this, this big overarching um, idea here in, in chapters 2 and 3 of 1 Peter. Okay? So how we submit. First, we submit in the community. We submit in the community. Okay? This is where he gets into the, the idea of submitting to the government. Okay? Remember, this is the, the persecution that's going on. This is Nero is the emperor, and Paul specifically says, honor the emperor, honor the king. Right? You, you're supposed to submit to every human institution. If you go to, to Romans 13, where, where Paul is covering the same topic, Romans 13 verse 1 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Why? For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So we as Christians, we're supposed to be you know, model citizens in our communities. We're supposed to be model citizens. God has called us. That's a biblical principle. God has called us to be you know, model citizens. And we've got to remember, you know, who, who is he talking to? Who's Peter talking to, right? These people that are afraid to be burnt alive. And he's saying, oh yeah, obey the government. Okay. Um, which, you know, it's, it's one of those things that we, we struggle with sometimes when we think about it. You know, even Nero, according to Romans 13, God put him in place to, to lead the Roman Empire, as the Roman Emperor. Um, and God is the one that has given these people their, their authority, right? The, the authority that anyone has in the entire world, it's coming from God. So when we submit to, you know, the governing authorities, he goes here in, in 1 Peter talking about the king, the governors, people over you, okay? For us, we work all the way down, you know, to local governments, the police, all of this. When we when we submit and we obey and we are model citizens, we're obeying God, right? Because that's where that authority comes from. Um, but there's always, okay, that question. But what about, remember when I was writing this lesson, this message, I was planning on speaking to teenagers, okay? So that's always the thing. But what about, so we're going to hit this a couple of times as we go through. We're going to answer the, but what about questions? And you come to that, but what about if the government tells you to do something that's against God's word, okay, that's always the question. And we, we kind of like to in America where we don't have persecution and where we, uh, you know, are, are really uh, snobby sometimes. We, we like to say, you know, but what about, and we pull out what we think, biblical examples, and we say, but what if, you know, I'm told to do something that the Bible says we're not supposed to do or God tells me not to do. Okay? And then we always go to Daniel in the lion's den or Daniel you know, and his three friends or things like that. So let's think about those stories. Okay, Daniel in the lion's den. There was literally a law written that said you can only pray to the king. Okay, That was the law. Now, obviously, that is contrary to God's word, very blatantly against God's word. What does Daniel do? He disobeys, right? But how does he disobey? Does he make a big deal about it? No. He just goes about doing what he's always done, right? He goes to his room. He has always opened the shutters, so he keeps the shutters open. He kneels and he prays just like he always has, right? He didn't make a big deal about it, and he was punished according to the law. He was thrown into the lion's den. Another one that, that I love is, is Daniel and his three friends, right? They go into the fiery furnace. 
because they weren't going to worship the false god, right? The, the statue. They weren't going to obey that law there in the, the Babylonian Empire. And this verse here in Daniel 3 really, really makes it clear. Daniel 3, verses 16 to 18, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king. So here's, here's how they responded. When they were caught, they were brought before the king. This is what they said. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter about whether they're going to obey or not. If this be so, being thrown into the, line, or into the fiery furnace, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. All right, so very clearly, they're not going to obey because this was a clear, you know, sin against God. The king had said, worship this idol, and they said, sorry, we can't do that. But here's what we like to do in America a lot of times, right? We like to, to get our, our signs and make a big deal about it and yell and scream and say, this is America, right? And we make a big deal about things, and, and they're not anywhere close to what <laughs> these people were, were experiencing, right? Our government is not telling us to go worship a false god, right? Um, but here, they were, they were very clearly defying an order that was against God's word. And they didn't make a big deal about it. They simply obeyed God, right? And then when they were confronted about it, they didn't yell and scream and punch people and kick and do whatever. They just said, look, we have to obey God, right? If God, if you do this, you throw us in the fiery furnace, God can deliver us. We believe that. God can do it. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, right? How many times have, have Christians been in situations where the government told them, you cannot worship God, you can't go to church, they did it anyway, quietly, right? And then there was a gun held to their head, or they were tortured, or whatever, and God didn't deliver them. Could he have delivered them? Well, yeah, he could. He's God. He can do anything, right? But they simply submitted to the government and the punishment that came with disobeying the government, right? And here we've got a miraculous instance where God did reach down and save these three friends out of the fiery furnace. And that's awesome. And God can still do that today. But they said, even if he didn't do this, we're still going to just obey God right? Living their lives humbly, quietly, submitting to God. And knowing that if you had to choose between submitting to God and submitting to the government, they're going to submit to God, but you know what? We might suffer the consequences for it. So Christians all over the world are having to make that decision. Praise God, we don't have to at this point in America. Um, another story from Daniel, right? You, we, we go back to the very beginning um, with, with Daniel, and, and he's, um, you know, not going to eat the king's meat, right? Again, another thing where he was going to defile himself. And I love how, how it words it there. It says, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So here, Daniel, right, again, didn't make too big of a deal about it. 
He, I doubt that he stood up in the middle of all of those young men who were told that you had to eat this meat and drink this wine. I doubt he stood up there and said, I'm not allowed to do that. I'm a good Jewish boy. Because he had a southern accent, right? Dude's from southern Judea, right? No, he didn't do that. I imagine, okay, this is my imagination. I've got a very vivid imagination. I imagine he, he pulled the guy aside, found a time where he asked, right? Some translations say he sought permission. So he, he went through the chain of command, right, submissively, humbly, and said, hey, you know, can we try this out? We'll, we'll eat the vegetables and water instead of the meat and the wine. And he even, you know, he proposes a solution and he works that out. And that, you know, God blesses that. The, the eunuch, the man in charge, gives him that permission, right? And I think this is a great illustration for us in America because we have amazing freedom here in America. Our country is awesome, okay? Um, and I, I'm going to try and avoid being political here for a second, but um, our country's awesome. You know, one of the coolest moments of my life, okay, was being able to put on the stars and stripes and race for Team USA, right? It's just being able to do that and carry the American flag across the finish line. I love our country, okay? And this is awesome, that, that we have the freedom we have here. But this is another thing. One, we may not always have that freedom. Two, uh, right now, the way our government is set up is there is a path, just like this verse, right? There is a path for us as Christians to have an influence, right? To, to accomplish things the, through the proper channels, right? In a couple weeks, it's the election time, right? You can already go out and do early voting. Vote. Vote according to your conscience. Vote according to biblical principles, right? We have these freedoms, right? Um, and, and there is a proper way to do things in submission to the government, and there is a wrong way to do things in submission to the government, right? We have the right. We've got our First Amendment rights to go out and speak and, and make a difference, right? We've got, we can vote. Um, all of these things are set up in our, our Constitution that, that allows us to protect these freedoms that we have enjoyed in our country for so long, right? And we shouldn't take them for granted. We should do that, right? That is part of submitting to the government, right? Because that's part of our government structure here in America. And we can see right now what it's like in other countries where they don't have those freedoms, right? So, so we need to do that, um, but then, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, you know, and a cop pulls you over and you don't think that you were really speeding, but you were speeding or he says you were speeding, it doesn't matter at that point, right? We submit to our government. When, when the government passes a law, right, we submit because that's what God has called us to do. Um, thankfully, we can have a voice. And even greater than that is here in Proverbs 21. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. So even greater than exercising our First Amendment rights and going out and voting and being involved in the political process, even greater than all of that, the influence we can have in our government is praying for God to turn the hearts of our leaders wherever he will. This is, this is a promise. This is a truth 
you know, no matter who it is in government, whatever level of government, local, state, national, we need to be praying for them. This is our Christian responsibility. And that's part of, part of submitting is knowing that their authority over us comes from God. And so we need to be praying for them, praying for God to, to work through them, right? Because they're His administrators overseeing our country at this point, right? And also praying for other countries' leaders as well. Um, I love, if you're using the Word of Life Quiet Time, you might have noticed in the adult version, um, it's got a prayer request every single day for another country. Sometimes it's for America or things going on here. Um, but it's, it's specific prayer requests for, you know, Christians in levels of government in other countries, for mission work going on in other countries. This falls under the same principle of God can, can change hearts and he can, he can, you know, release that persecution by putting one person in power in another country, right? Or he can allow it to begin by putting somebody in power in our country. So that, that prayer that we have just as an, an area of influence around the world is amazing. Um, so this is, is that first point, okay? In our community, be a model citizen, right? Be involved, but most of all, pray. Pray and submit. Okay, so the next thing um, is not just in our community, but also in the workplace. Jump down to verse 18. Verse 18, it says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Okay? So just kind of a broad, broad term here is this is in the workplace, right? And then, of course, first thing we got to say, but what about when my boss is a jerk and says whatever? Okay? Well, let's go back here real quick. What about a bad boss? Let's read that verse again. Servants, be subject to your masters in all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Right? If you've not had a bad boss yet, Praise the Lord. He's coming, right? Um, our job in the workplace is to submit, right? Um, oh, look, I had the verse up there. Um, so it's, it says there, both the good and the unjust, right? It doesn't matter whether it's a good boss or a bad boss, right? Every authority has their authority from God. So that means in the workplace, too. Um, and, and another thing to keep in mind, uh, servants, that's actually slaves in, this, in the Greek here. That's actually slaves, right? The household slaves that, that were very common in the Roman Empire. He's talking to them, okay? Some of your translations out there might actually say, slaves, submit to your masters. So when you think that your boss is driving you like a slave driver, perfect, go to this verse, right? Slaves. You feel like you're being treated like a slave at work. Your job is still to submit, right? Um, and, and just side note, you know, Peter wasn't justifying slavery or anything there, right? Um, but, but he was telling these Christians who were in slavery, who were these household servants or slaves in there, 
that their job was to submit, right? Remember the purpose, why we're submitting, why we even have this topic of submission in the middle of this letter is that we're supposed to be bringing glory to God, right? So if you've got a, a worker, a servant, a slave who is a Christian and a boss or a master, an owner who is a non-Christian, that's a wonderful thing, right? We should work like we're doing it for God. I think I've heard that someplace before, right? Colossians 3.23. When we do our work in the workplace, we're doing it for God, right? Because you keep going up. Your boss is right over you, but their authority comes from God. So when they tell you something to do, right? You go to Chick-fil-A and you have to clean those trays. You ever have to clean trays? It's a horrible job. You guys, if you go to a fast food restaurant and you have the trays and then you squirt ketchup on the middle of the tray and just leave it there. And somebody has to clean that up. Aaron has to clean that up, right? Okay? Trust me, I've cleaned many trays in my day. But that, you know, your boss tells you to do it and you do it and you do a good job. Christians should be the best employees. Because why? That's how we bring glory to God, right? That's our testimony in the workplace. We're doing it. When we work, we work not unto men but unto God right? So when we work, we need to submit, right? We need to be doing our work like we're told, doing it to the best of our ability and cranking out the best work we can and having that Christian testimony to point people to Jesus. That's why we do it. If you don't have a job right now, right? Students, right? Schoolwork, crank it out. It's your job. That's your full-time job. Do it to the best of your ability, because you're working for God. You're not working for your teachers. You're not working for your boss. You're working for God. So we submit in the community. We submit in the workplace. But then he goes on. If you, you go over to chapter 3, he says there's submission in the family. In the family. First Peter 3, uh, verse 1. says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. So that even if some do not obey the word, that they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So let's kind of, again, let's broaden this out a little bit. Take the principles out of this. And that's in the family, right? There should be order in the family. That's the way God designed it. You can go all over the place, different verses uh, to, to learn about where the submission, the order that God placed in the family, right? You've got God, who is the head of the family, like He's the head of the church, right? Going down to the husband, father, you should be leading your family because your authority in the family comes from God. And then the wife submits, we just saw that right here. And the children, you obey your parents, right? Ephesians 6.1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Right? So, so we can start at the bottom. Kids, you submit to your parents. That's something that, that we, you know, have to work on, all of us. Right? Kids, you've got to obey your parents. They're the authority in the home. That's something that's really tearing America apart is this, this family unit. Right? And when there's not order in the family, then things go wrong. Um. It's wives, right? You've got to submit to your husbands. And this is one of those things, you know, we, we touchy in our, our culture, right? 
I know Jeremy's hit it on it a lot, so I'm not going to go deep into it. But, you know, not saying that, that one person is better than another, not that the husband is better than the wife or men are better than women, right? But that's just how God designed it. If we want to go back to that, the, the picture of the government, okay, and the, the police pulls you over, right, and they get out and they come up to you and say, excuse me, do you know how fast you were going, right? I don't have to, you know, pull over because they're better than I am, right? Or because they've got fancy blue lights on top of their car. I could buy some blue lights to put it on top of my car. Would I be able to pull people over? No. And then I'd probably get arrested if I tried that. But God has given them the authority, right? In the family, God chose in the order to give the husband, the father, the authority, right? And so husbands, fathers, we need to lead our family, right? We can go to Ephesians. We can go to Colossians. We can see these things very clearly laid out of how we're supposed to lead our family, right? But we always get to the, you know, but what about? But what about if my parents are unsaved? Kids, what if my parents are unsaved? Well, it's the same as with the government, right? Simply obey. God is sovereign. And then pray for their hearts to change. But what about... Wives, if your husband is unsaved, right? It's very clear right here. This idea of your conduct, verse 1, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct, right? Again, we're pointing people to Jesus. This is the whole point of our submission. The way we live, the way we conduct ourselves is to point people to Jesus, the way we work in the workplace is to point people to Jesus. The way our families operate is to point people to Jesus. Whether that's inside your own family or from people on the outside looking in, they see the way we operate. We can point people to Jesus. And so when we, we think about it, it kind of comes down to understanding who's in charge. Who's in charge? right? Um, we were at, uh, I forget what, what meal it was. It was a meal here. And there was a, a parent that I heard say to their child in this church, remember, you're not in charge, right? It's something we always have to work with with young people. I say that to, to Hannah all the time. Remember, you're not in charge, right? I like, to, I like to say toddlers especially, okay? Pray for our toddler teachers that are in Sunday school and Go for buddies and, and all of that, okay, with all of those crazy, rambunctious children, one of whom is mine. Um, you, with ch children and toddlers, they're just kind of like that, the raw humanity, right? Out of control and all that stuff. You see somebody standing in line. We were standing in line at the airport. What was it? It was Newark Airport going through customs. And Hannah's just like, I'm tired of standing in line. I'm like, me too, you know? They just, they just have a little less control about what they say and making their emotions known to everyone around them. Uh, so, so we see that and we're like, that child's out of control. But you know what? I feel the same way. Um, and that's the same way in this issue, right? They think they're in charge. And so we parents have to teach our children that they're not in charge. Um, but, but we say it with children and with toddlers, but it's true with all of us, right? We all have that uh, rebellious nature in our heart. And we all think that we are in charge, but we aren't. And we have to learn that, that we're not in charge. And when it comes down to it here, um, 1 Peter 3, 
see if I've, I've got it here. 1 Peter 3, verse 8. Peter kind of wraps this up in a nice little bow for us, okay? He says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. So we kind of have hit these application points as we've come along, right? Um, submitting, working, right? Obeying. But when it comes down to it, we just have to be humble. Don't think more of yourself than you should. Um, you're not in charge, but you know the one who is in charge. So when your government does something that you don't like, you're not in charge, but you know the one who is in charge. When your boss does something that you don't like or tells you something to do that you don't like, you're not in charge, but you know the one who is. In the family, when you hear something you don't like or a decision is made that you don't like, you're not in charge, but you know the one who is. Our job is to submit so that our lives can point people to Jesus, right? And pray for the ones that God has placed in charge of us, each and every one of us. We've got our place. And, and if you're the one with some amount of authority, obviously there's someone above you you still have to submit to, but you also have to give a, an account for how you, you live and how you lead. Whether you're the boss or the father or the government official, at the end of the day, you're not in charge, but you know the one who is. So point people to him, not to yourself. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this truth that we can rest in. I know it's, it's hard to hear. It's hard to read. It's hard to study. And God, every situation is different, but I just pray that through it all, the way your church lives and operates here in the world, that we would bring glory and honor to you. God, I pray that, that in our community, you would be at work. You'd be at work in these elections. You'd be at work in the town council meetings. You'd be at work in the, the decisions and the, the reports and, and everything in our government. I pray that you would turn hearts towards you. God, I pray in our workplaces that each one of us would be a witness for you. That we would do work that glorifies you. That we, uh, if we're in a place of authority, would, would lead in a way that glorifies you. And that we can point people to you as the one and only Savior. God, I pray for our families that as we interact with the world around us, that people would see that order 
that we would see husbands that love our wives the way you love the church, and that wives that, and children that submit and obey the way we submit to you. God, I just pray that you would be glorified through all of it and that we would be humble and that humility would just shine your light to the world around us. God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.